Greetings, programs, and welcome back to a very special episode of the Awesome Friday Podcast. My name is Matthew, and today I am joined by Sharia Chala uh, of YouTube. Your, your channel is called your name, right? It's just you're of YouTube. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm good. Uh, we are here today. This is an extra episode for this week, and we are here because we are going to talk about the new HBO TV series, The Last of Us. Uh, which we've both seen, and I thought it'd be interesting to speak about because I uh, have never played the game. I played like the first 20 minutes, and then I just never came back to it because I'm a bad gamer. Um, but as I understand it, Sharia, it's one of your all-time favorite games, so I thought it'd be interesting to get that perspective for me and for everyone listening. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, uh, I've played it like four or five times. I, I really was quite a big fan of it when it came out as well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, and uh, I think what we're going to do is uh, this episode is going to drop right after episode one uh, is released. So we're going to talk a little bit about the whole series, and then we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about episode one. Uh, so to start, uh, for those of you unaware, um, The Last of Us is a series that takes place uh, 20 years after an apocalyptic uh, fungal outbreak decimates humanity. And a man named Joel, who's played by Pedro Pascal, has to get a teenager named Ellie, who's played by Bella Ramsey, uh, across the country full of infected people because she's immune uh, and they could potentially make a cure from her blood. And that's pretty much the whole setup of the show, uh, is these two people going across the country and fighting back against uh, infected and also, you know, the ennui of the apocalypse. Um, what did you, what did you just, uh, as a very general thing, what did you think about the series as a, as a fan of the game? As a fan of the game, my biggest worry at first was like, when you have to capture the story, here's what's most important. The games fun function on, on Joel and Ellie. And if you don't get that relationship, I feel like you're going to lose everything else when it comes to the show. And I think the one thing that they nailed absolutely was that connection, which is why I ended up loving most of the show. And in fact, I have gone back to some episodes since even my review, and I, I think I love it even more now. I think it's a fantastic adaptation that does the game justice, um, brings in all the great characters. The, I mean, it captures certain sequences of the game, which I didn't think was possible in live action, certain set pieces. I mean, it then doubles down on a little bit, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just really, really happy with this show. Yeah, I mean, it's an HBO show um, and they are famous for putting their money where their mouth is and having a lot of money to do that with. So I would agree. I think it's honestly, it's an early contender for one of the best series of the year. And I don't say that lightly as a person who watches just a lot of stuff. Um, and uh, I would go so far as to say this might be the best video game adaptation of all time. And I know that's kind of a low bar to clear really, or at least the reputation is there that it's a low bar to clear, but it clears it by, just a country mile like it's mm -hmm. it's not just you know so so many video game adaptations fall into the trap of trying to just recreate the game uh, or just changing everything entirely and this one does a really good job of adapting the story to this medium of television 
Mm-hmm. No. That's fair. I, yeah, I would say that that's true. I would say live action wise, this is definitely the best one. I would say in in terms of game adaptations, there's been a few like Arcane or Cyberpunk Edge Runners and Castlevania, some things in animation which have been doing pretty well when it comes to adapting that. Um, but I think in live action, it's always been a dicey thing because you know how do you pull off certain things? But um, I think this is uh, yeah, I think it's in terms of that, this is definitely this is number one right now for me. Yeah. What would you, just out of curiosity, what would you think before this, what what do you think your favorite live action video game adaptation was? Before this? um... Yeah, because I know what mine is and mine is pretty dumb, so... (laughs) Uh, Mine would probably have to be Sonic 2, honestly. Um, Really? I haven't seen Sonic 2. Is it really actually good? I mean, I enjoyed it, but like, it's the one that I can think of out the gate. I was like, oh, that was fun. That was enjoyable. It did good there. Um, but uh, yeah, it was still like, it's good, but it's not like, we're not at the place where it's like, oh, this is one of the best things I've ever like, you know, experienced or something like that. I'm like watching this, but I still did enjoy what they did with that, uh, with that franchise so far. Nice. Cause, cause for me, it's definitely the Dwayne Johnson movie Rampage. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of a cheat because that game has no plot it's just giant mm-hmm. monsters destroying things um right and uh i'm a sucker for kaiju movies so like that i don't know if that's a good movie but like it's a lot of fun and has a couple of really great line reads from the people who are in it um mm-hmm. and you know giant monsters destroying buildings and fighting each other and <laughs> speaking sign language and it's you know there you go. Yeah. Um, so, speaking about the whole the series as a whole, we've both seen all nine episodes. Um, and one thing I really appreciate is that each episode is exactly as long as it needs to be. They're not sticking to necessarily a standard like 45 or 55 minute runtime. The first episode, uh, which probably most people listening have already watched is about almost an hour and a half. Um, there's other ones that are only about 40 minutes. Uh, there's a couple other ones that are over long. Um, and I really appreciate the care that they've taken in that way to, again, to adapt the story. But um, are there any, so again, I haven't played the game. I've, I know what happens in the game. <laughs> I've read the plot synopsis because I've needed to talk about it in the past. Um, there are a couple of changes, and without going into too much spoilery detail, are any of them deal breakers for you? No, actually. The one major change that they make, in fact, which um, we cannot really talk about right now at this junction with a character played by Nick Offerman, um, is um, probably one of the best things the show does. Because I, I thought in the game, it's something that they... They touch upon, but then they didn't really go into it because you're in the middle of everything. But the good thing about the TV show is that you got the time. You can do that, you know, and um, I'm, I'm, so I'm glad that they did. And it actually resulted in something that was really special. Um, the other change is, I would say, I think um, comes a little bit later with Melanie Linsky's character. She's, um, she's uh, a hunter who's working um, in... in uh, the city and she's not in the games she's an original character creator for the show um this is i don't think this is a spoiler because it's been revealed in the marketing as well um mm-hmm. 
I liked her character a lot. Um, I I think it's um, yeah. I thought that was an interesting addition as 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 well. Um, and that's all I can really say for now. But uh, <laughs> yeah, as far as far as but but as far as like the deal breakers go, I would say the biggest one was probably Bill's character, uh, Nick Offerman's character. But I would say it's uh, it's a really good change. Yeah. Now again, knowing what happens, um, I'm actually kind of worried. So this is uh, what we're talking about is episode three. And uh, it's difficult to speak about without spoiling anything, but there are some changes and I'm kind of worried about it because it is, I think, an early contender for one of the best hours of television of the year. Uh, and certainly one of the best hours of television I've watched in recent memory anyway. And I'm really worried that the wrong kind of people are going to latch onto it in the wrong kind of way. I mean, at this point in time, the Last of Us fan base, especially after Part Two came out, is is a very divisive one. Yeah, and um, there's all kinds of opinions all over the place. At this point, I'm looking for, and I think everyone should look for the constructive comments. You know, like yeah. um, it's like if you don't like the episode, don't just you know we talk about why, not so much of the oh I don't like it and you know, just. You know your viral tweet. Here you go, thirty thousand likes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I have seen. I've spoken to one person who I know has seen it, and uh, again, it's hard to talk about without spoiling. But they do talk about how it does kind of maybe disrupt the flow a little bit. But that does not bother me at all. And I'm mm-hmm. very, I'm getting very close to saying things that maybe I shouldn't. But. Yeah, it's t- it's tough. It's tough, but just be aware. My in my opinion, episode three is I think I think it's my favorite episode of the whole show, and it's easily one of the best episodes of TV. I mean, at least in the last six months that I can easily remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but the ending is basically the same, right? Like the 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 way it plays out at, toward the end is is. I mean, if you should play the game, you know what's going to happen, right? Like, there's no. No, no other major like plot-wise changes. Uh, no, I would say it. Uh, the core components of the story of the game, you pretty much, you pretty much do get that. But I think, um, I think most people who watch the show will probably know that. Like, um, you know, going in, like especially with episode one, there's a certain couple of things that happen, and you're like, if you play the games, you know what's going to happen. But. Um, yeah. It's about, it's still, even the even in that sense, like I knew some, like for instance, in episode one, there's a moment which I like, I know this is coming because I played the game. I know what's about to happen, but still yeah. watching it play out and I'm like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. And I was still very invested and like, you know, it was very intense to see it, see it play out. I think it's all in the execution at the end of the day. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's, it's executed extremely well. Um the uh, the show itself was co-created or co-instigated. I'm not sure what the right word is, but uh, co-created by Neil Druckmann, who is the head writer of the game, uh, and Craig Mazin, who made, among other things, Chernobyl, uh, which is, I think, one of the was 2019, and it's easily one of the best miniseries of the 2010s. I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how you feel about it, but it's one of my. I recently rewatched it. It's easily one of my favorite just things out there. Mm-hmm. I gave it an A plus when it came out, and I stand by that. In fact, um, and um, I, I, that's actually why I was not very concerned about the Last of Us adaptation. I'm like, if this guy's handling it, we we're in good hands. He knows, he knows what's <laughs> up. You know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and I think 
I think for me, the thing that it really boils down to is when you say execution, I think that's uh, correct. And I think it's because, again, the game really does thread that needle of being mm. taking the story and not just trying to recreate it, uh, mm. but rather trying to adapt it to television. And we're going to get into talking about episode one uh, in a little more detail in a minute. Uh, uh, I mean, we might as well. I don't think there's anything else we can say about the rest of the season without maybe <laughs> breaching our embargoes. So let's maybe not do that. Um, but uh, as just to wrap up the season overview, yeah, episode episode three, great. Uh, episode five, also great. Melanie Linsky. Uh, I mean, if you watch Melanie Linsky in anything, like she has this, she has this great way of being. If you watched Yellow Jackets, you know that she has this great way of being menacing in this way that also feels like she's like you're a disappointed mom or like a disappointed like <laughs> second grade teacher. And um, just imagine that as like the leader of a militia. <laughs> and then you pretty much get what we're talking about. Um, and yeah, I thought, and just uh, uh, Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey, both absolute aces throughout. I don't think you could have picked a better Ellie if you tried, honestly. Um, just absolutely stunned by her performance. Yeah. And uh, just coming back to the structure again, I think one of the other, one thing I really appreciate anyway, as an, as an old man who remembers syndicated television, is that it is very, it's very serialized, but it's also very episodic. Uh, every episode has a distinct beginning, middle, and end. Um, as they move through the country, they meet different people. People show up for one two episodes and then as they move out of that region you don't see them again and i very much appreciated that in fact there's one i don't want to spoil who it is or when it happens but there's one person who shows up an actor who i personally adore who shows up who's not again not a not famous person like a very high profile person who shows up for approximately two minutes in one episode and then they just move on <laughs> And uh, I hope that person that comes back for season two, um, but uh, it was just nice to see them at all. Mm -hmm. So um, should we dive into episode one a little bit more? Let's do it. Yeah. Well, you can you give us just a rundown of like the basic plot of episode one? You are a little more familiar than I am, so I'd like to hear the way you break it down. So episode one, we we start off with what is Outbreak Day, basically. And uh, in the game, I I think they, they changed the dates around a little bit. So it, uh, it takes place now in 2003. And um, basically, we are getting to see the, the whole sort of day play out as to what led to eventually the night's chaos and, you know, everything starting to fall apart. And uh, we're seeing that through the eyes of Joel and and his brother Tommy, his daughter Sarah, and um, essentially you're getting a lay of like you know how quickly things fall apart because eventually when you go to twenty years later, you know the world order has completely destabilized. There's militias going around. There's um, it's it's a lawless land basically, and uh, we're in quarantine zones which are basically on their last legs, um, and and now you have in the middle of all this, this girl, Ellie, who is with another militia called the Fireflies and a rebel group of sorts. And uh, as you find out, she's she's got some immunity, of it seems, to this entire fungal plague. So that's in the games, this whole thing. So if 
feel like I'm not spoiling anything in the episode yet. But um, yeah, that's the overview. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's okay. Uh, I'm just going to warn. So anyone who's listening, I think we're going to talk about episode one mm-hmm. in a little more detail. So there will be probably definitely a few spoilers here. So if you haven't watched yet, um, hit pause, go watch, come back. Uh, and if you have watched, uh, stick around, I guess, do the opposite of that. And because, um, yeah, we're going to break it down a little bit in a little bit more detail. Um, but if you're leaving now, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll hear you back in about an hour and a half when you're done watching the episode. Um, yeah, I so I really like every episode of this series. I interestingly enough, I think episode one for me might actually be the, the weakest episode. Uh, I don't know how you feel about it, but I feel like it's the one that is. M- most, uh, how to say this, we spoke before about how much I appreciate how well it's just adapted. And I feel like episode one is the one that is the least adapted, if that makes sense. It's the one, like, there's a, there's an extended sequence that, like, I felt like maybe I should have a controller in my hand when in the, in the first half hour. Um, and this is, like, just to be clear, super nitpicky of me. Like, I'm not, I'm kind of reaching because it's still a great episode. Um, but it is the one that feels the most like they're just trying to actively recreate the game rather than adapt it to TV, if that makes sense. Um, do you have any similar feelings? Do you think I'm a crazy person? or? I don't think so. Um, and I know exactly which moment you're talking about. And since we're going into spoilers, when we enter the car and we're seeing yeah. everything from the point of view of Sarah at that time, you're it's very similar to the game because you can sort of do a 360 you can look around and you you can see all of the devastation coming in slowly slowly creeping in and i think that way absolutely it captures especially a ps5 feeling at the moment um and it doesn't help that we just had a remaster of the first game which is very very realistic so you're just kind of like oh we i just did this two months ago um but um at the same time, I think there was no other way you could pull off that sequence because it's 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 such a very it's a, it's a very different point of view. At that point, all you can do is add something to it, and they did in the form of um, a very horrifying imagery, actually, from a from a perspective. But let's let's uh, I'll I'll defer to you on that in terms of the planes. <laughs> Oh, you're talking about... So, yeah, I think... So, in the game, I think this is actually one of the few parts of the game I actually got through. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be clear, I don't know why I never finished this game. It was... I think I got stuck, and then I got doing something else, and I just never came back, because, again, I'm mm-hmm. a bad gamer. Um, but, yeah, like, in the in the game, it's pretty much... Like, you're driving around, and there's people and cars in the way. And in the show, there's planes falling out of the sky, and huge mm-hmm. explosions... And it is very much a moment of, like, let's just show off some of the budget that we have. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, it is. But also, I I found, like, on rewatch, I thought it's a little scary, especially because when you consider that this is 2003 and you got planes coming down, this is two years after 9-11. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. And I was like, oh, my God. Because it's this, it's, it's yeah, it's a budget thing for sure. They added it in there for this more cinematic moment. But I was like, oh, wow. Because you have to look at it from that point of view. It's like, oh, planes are crashing down again in the middle of the in the middle of the city. And I'm like, oh, jeez. That's got to be like a, a scary feeling. Like, you know, zombie apocalypse is about to start up. And here we go. So it's. Um, yeah, it sort of makes the, the I mean, everyone's already 
all the crowd is freaking out already. There's already, you know, infected people biting and chewing and reinfecting more people. But mm. I guess, yeah, two years after 9-11, that would be terrifying. That's an excellent point. Yeah, it's going to occur to me. But um, I did like that they took their time exploring what led to it. Because in the game, you just start off the gate without break night. And oh, interesting. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I think I would say so the, the way the episode is uh, structured is that the, it's about again about an hour and a half. Mm. And uh, the first like 30 minutes are all outbreak day. Uh, mm. So set in 2003, and then it jumps forward 20 years uh, after a certain event um, that basically informs Joel's character for the rest of the series. Um, mm -hmm. And I will say that I actually very much appreciate that approach because mm -hmm. uh, uh, the if it was any other show, I, I was fully expecting, again, knowing the basic plot, I was basically expecting all of this backstory to be flashback interspersed through the first episode or maybe the first two or three or all of them, really. Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of appreciate that they just recognized the importance and just got it out of the way. Just mm -hmm. like told us the story so we know who Joel is the whole time without having to like wonder. There's no like mystery box BS. It's just we just know who Joel is and uh, like having that, having seen all that, it makes sense when he's paired up with Ellie later. It makes so much sense his initial reaction and then especially his later reaction in the series once they've very much bonded. Because, mm -hmm. uh, Again, we're in spoiler territory, so I'm just going to say that like the, the scene in which Joel's daughter dies in 2003 is devastating. Mm -hmm. uh, and I remember it being upsetting in the game, but it is devastating in the show. Like It is so well acted by Pedro Pascal. Uh, it is incredibly well acted, actually by Gabriel Luna as well, who plays Tommy, Joel's brother. Uh, and I cannot remember, uh, Nico Parker, who plays Sarah, Joel's actual daughter, um, has some heavy lifting to do at a moment where, where she absolutely pulls it off. I thought, um, I, and how do you feel as someone who has played it for like four or five times, like better, worse, the same, how do you feel? Uh, first of all, I think Nico Parker is fantastic in the show as Sarah. I thought she did really well. Um, but yeah, I think, um, this is like so what I was referring to is like you knew what was going to happen when you yeah. played the game, you know, so it's not like you can it's not like you're going to see something totally unexpected. You know, it's going to happen because that's what's going to lead to the Joel Ellie dynamic that becomes the crux of the game. But I think it was still even in that point, watching the episode and watching that whole scene play out, it's like. Oh, man, you still don't want this to happen. It's still going to happen, and it's going to be devastating. And it, it hurts every single time because, you know, what? There's it's a great pain, you know, losing your child um, and mm -hmm. to outlive them. So I just, um, I think the show captured that very tragically, and, and Pedro Pascal in that moment is brilliant acting from him as well. Um, it's heartbreaking stuff. Yeah. He's very much in the running for... Uh... America's basically being America's dad at this point. <laughs> and uh, this episode, this episode of television, I think might cement that like he's given Tom Hanks a run for his money. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's the kind of guy who like, you know, he's been around for a long time, but uh, it's kind of a shame that it took all the way to Game of Thrones for him to really 
break out as this talent that he is. Because he is so good in this show. Like, so good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the good thing about something like Game of Thrones is that, you know, there's so many talents we found from that. I mean, currently we're talking about Emma Darcy and Olivia Cook, especially uh, with House of the Dragon. But um, thanks to Game of Thrones, we got Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey both in here. Yeah, you know? it's true. So, kind of works out. <laughs> yeah. So the show, from this point, the show jumps forward 20 years. It's now 2023. 20, the world is ruined. Uh, there's infected monsters around everywhere. Um, Joel is a smuggler. He is... Uh, what would be the right word here? Empty inside a little bit, maybe, would be the way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He's paired up with a woman called Tess, who's played by Anna Torv who any genre fans will recognize from her time on, um, oh, what was her show called? Uh, she was in Fringe. Yeah, Fringe, that's the one. And more recently, uh, she was in Mindhunters on Netflix, mm-hmm. which is a very underrated show that I'm very upset isn't continuing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, long story short, they <laughs> they're screwed over by someone and when they go to get revenge on that someone, they end up being conscripted uh, to take Ellie across the country. And uh, Ellie, who's in the custody of the Fireflies, is immune, and she's fiery and foul-mouthed and kind of wonderful. Uh, and it's a really, a really great, I think, a really great interpretation of someone who who grew up in a ruined world. Who mm-hmm. is uh, interestingly, I think. Bella Ramsey was a great choice for this because like the two things I've really seen her in, sorry, seen them in are this and Game of Thrones. And in both of those things, they play characters who were forced to be adults well before they should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, and this version is a lot more foul mouthed. Um, but there's a, it's an, an interesting sort of thread that ties those two characters together. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, I think the, the, the way they meet and then as they go outside, Joel eventually, Joel and Tess eventually figure out that she's immune. Uh, we don't get a resolution to that at the end of episode one. They just realize she's infected. Um, and, uh, the episode that's where the episode sort of ends as they say gone outside of the QZ of the quarantine zone and they, they know she's infected, but she doesn't appear to be sick. And there's a a nice moment where there's like a radio code that's explained that like different types of music coming on the radio mean different things. And that eighties music means bad, means bad things are happening. And as the episode ends, the radio turns on and an eighties song starts playing. And it's sort of a, I thought that was a really wonderful coda to the episode like a really great way to set the tone for the rest of the series really thoughts mm-hmm. uh no uh the song especially which is a great choice it was um never let me down again depeche mode and um oh, yeah, i thought that was song. a great needle drop uh 80s uh, absolute banger um and i and i really like the fact that that's you know 80 means uh, 80 means trouble that was the code yeah. um and uh, that was that was really well done. But uh, going back to one thing that I do think is so crazy about Bella Ramsey's portrayal of Ellie is that they were told not to play the game before shooting. And oh, interesting! I didn't hear that. 
So apparently Neil Druckmann and Craig Mason, they were like, no, no, don't play the game because, you know, we want to try and get a portrayal of Ellie from you, which is different from Ashley Johnson in the games. And yet the first scene in which Ellie shows up and you have Ramsey delivering, uh, delivering their lines, it's, it's so quintessentially Ashley Johnson that I was surprised that they hadn't played the game. I was like, I, that's not possible because you're capturing her so well, um, Ashley's performance. And uh, even the voice at points is just straight up emulating what Johnson sounds like in the game down to the pronunciation of certain uh, curse words and stuff like that, which I thought was incredible. So pitch perfect performance over there, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, you know, we've already talked about how good Pedro Pascal is um, mm-hmm. to me. And like, Again, I watched Game of Thrones. I knew they were going to be good. Uh, but Bella Ramsey's like a revelation to me in this. Mm-hmm. They, they are so good. They're so... The the characterization of this person who, again, is being forced to be adult in situations where they should never have to be. Um, and managing to thread that line of being, of being still like a kid basically pretending to be an adult is so, so well executed. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I hope they go on to be like a huge star based on this because it's it's an amazing performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to touch on from episode one? Um, let's see. Um, oh yeah, they changed a couple of things, like a small things, which was like the motive. Like Joel's looking for Tommy in the show. Um, and he's trying to find a, a battery to you know, hook up to a car so that he can drive over. In the games, they're smuggling guns, um, Joel and Tess, and their dealer kind of messes up. And that's a guy named Robert, who's in the show as well. Um, there's a whole shootout in the game, which they did not do here. Um, oh. and, uh, there's a, there's a whole thing that goes down, but it does eventually lead to the same thing, which is you find, um, you find Marlene played by the same actress from the games, by the way, Marl Dandridge. Mm-hmm. And, um, she's shot in both instances and she can't take Ellie over to the facility where the fireflies can work on a cure. So it eventually leads to the same conclusion, but. I think it's funny because I was talking to someone else who played the games and I said, oh, I think, did we miss the entire shootout with Robert? Yeah, we did. I said, oh yeah, there's a whole chase where you go run across offices and stuff like that. You take out his entire militia, like, you know, one by one. And uh, they, they didn't, they didn't do that. But that's not like a, that's not like a bad thing. I remember there was a whole conversation about it, the action being toned down. I'm like, no, well, that's fine the characters at the end are what make the last of us. So as long as you're yeah. supposed to nail that first, but when the action kicks in here, it's, it's a levit, you know, it's good stuff. Yeah. I, I totally forgotten about that run and gun sequence. Um, mm-hmm. And I sort of liked that in the episode, you know, they get, they get to where they're to where they're going to find Robert and they find mm-hmm. the fireflies and a bunch of dead bodies. I thought that was actually, that's actually a really clever way to adapt that actually just to, mm-hmm. uh, cause I, I don't think like, I think when when the the trap another trap that a lot of video game adaptations fall into is that they try to adapt every sort of like key game moments, uh, and I think this series, again, from what I understand from again reading, because I didn't finish playing it, um, but it seems to do a really good job of recognizing like which ones are 
actually the key moments and not adapting every single one. Mm -hmm. Um, And this would be a great example of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, it's tough to speak any more about the fireflies because they like, we don't really learn too much more about them until the next couple of episodes, but Mm -hmm. um, yeah. um, um, really dandridge is like marlene is i think a great character as well she's she gets fleshed out later in the series but she's already pretty badass in the in episode one mm-hmm. I, I think it takes a while for you to really get to know i mean if uh i think part two is where you get a more um layered um look into certain things with marlene but um well i mean i'm curious to see how they're gonna handle that part but um because that's actually the part where things get very controversial with the fan base. So um, I'm curious to see how they adapt season uh, part two of the, but um, I, th- I think at the, I think the one good thing is with this show is that you have the knowledge of both games. So you mm-hmm. can sort of work off of both of them to create a character, you know, uh, someone who's um, a more well-rounded character. So um, yeah. Yeah, I think they did good so far. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, uh, I think, um, I don't really have anything else to go on. Anything else you want to touch on at all? Because that's all I got, pretty much got at this point. Uh, no, pretty much not. Oh, we didn't talk about uh, the opening with the in the 60s, with the interview. Oh, yeah, actually, the the first scene of the show, too. I remember thinking, yeah. as I rewatched it yesterday... Uh, I remember thinking, like, we should talk about this because, like, I actually really like that scene. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, do you want to break it down for us? Uh, no. So basically, it's a TV interview with is I think that's the actor from the Mummy, right? Is that him? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, um, oh my god. Yeah, he's so good. <laughs> yeah, and he's essentially talking about cordyceps and the fungal um, outbreak and what can happen. And again, it just adds it it feels like it came from the guy who made chernobyl the show <laughs> like it just you know. yeah that's a good way to put it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah um, the, uh, in the tv tv interview it's uh it's john Hanna who's again from mm-hmm. the mummy uh and christopher Heyerdahl, who if you've watched any genre tv in the past like 15 years you've seen him in something mm-hmm. uh playing this pair of scientists talking in the set in like 1968 and they're talking Heyerdahl's talking about like a potential viral pandemic and John Hanna's character is basically like, nope, that's, we'll be fine. As a race, we'll be fine unless this fungus thing happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the way he like, he's a little bit older now and the way he delivers his lines is this sort of like, well, I'm an academic and this is what's going to happen and there's nothing I can do about it. So mm-hmm. we're all going to die. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty great. Mm-hmm. I thought um, anyway. No, I thought it was a great opening. Um, and again, it just, um, and, and going with the tendencies of like the fact that Craig Mason worked on Chernobyl, it's like, it, when it comes to capturing the, the disaster moment itself, he did, a, he did really well with putting you in that moment, you know, between the 60s and then outbreak day. Like, um, I think it's very similar that way to the first episode of Chernobyl, where you see the disaster in the first episode. That's what you yeah. get the whole, uh, got the whole meltdown. Um, no, I think it's, I think it's really, I'm just, I'm, I'm just excited for more people to see it because there's so much more to talk about in future episodes and can't go into that right now, but, 
you know, I think this is a very, very great start to the show. Yeah. And I, and I agree. And I, I don't want to talk too much more because I feel like I'm going to, I'm going to say something I shouldn't say. <laughs> but Because uh, again, like there's so much, so much more to talk about in the future. You're right. Uh, the, mm. As the, as the show goes on. Um, well, so then let's, um, let's wrap it up there. Episode one of the last of us is great. And if you've watched it, uh, let us know what you thought. Um, you can hit, uh, me up on Twitter at SmatthewAF or the show up at Awesome Friday CA. Uh, and Shoria, you're just at Shoria Chala, right? Um, yes. On the Twitter. On where where else can people find you? You can also find me on YouTube under the exact same handle. And you can watch my review of The Last of Us Season 1. You can come on over and talk. Yep, that'll be linked in the show notes for sure. Um we, uh, I don't know if we're going to be doing any further episodes on the show, but, uh, if we, if we don't, um, just watch it. It's so good. It's easily, it's easily the first great show of the year and it's a great early start to the year. So yeah. Um, if you are new to listening to the awesome Friday podcast, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if you're not new, thanks for sticking around. Uh, we'd love to have you here. If you'd like to support us, we do, best way to do that honestly is just to subscribe and tell your friends smash the like button hit the five star review on your podcast the platform of choice or if you like we do have a patreon that'll be in the show notes um we record this here in vancouver on the unceded lands of the Squamish nations uh and thank you so much to Shoya for joining me today uh it was great to have you on the show and to speak to you in real life for a change instead of just on twitter and uh, and uh, that is it. Thank you so much for listening and joining us on this awesome Friday.